Wasn't the music fantastic this morning? Give them a hand. Amen. Bible says in, in Deuteronomy, uh, the children of Israel were about to go into the promised land. As they were heading into the promised land, uh, God wanted to remind them of this great truth. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is, say it with me, the Lord is one. <clears throat> the Lord is one. Now, why is that? Because everything about God is about oneness. It's about oneness. Uh, let me ask you this morning a few questions. Are you in oneness with those at your work? Are you uh, in oneness with your friends? Are you in oneness in your family? Are you in oneness with those in the church? And here's probably the most important question. Are you in oneness with God? You see, that one is the link to all the others. And I find that we come to know that answer when we are in his presence. You see, it's an incredible thing to be in the presence of the Lord. And you are in the presence of the Lord this morning. The Bible says this about the presence of the Lord. He says, you will make known to me the path of life. And watch this. In your presence is fullness of joy. Isn't that great? Now, note this. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. But not only that is there, not only present in his presence of fullness of joy, but also watch this. It says, for I shall praise again, pray, I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. In his presence, there is help. <clears throat> Another thing that's so refreshing to me is Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says, Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You see, in his presence is all we need to deal with being one. God's desire is for us to be one. Think about it. Everything about God is about oneness. He starts with himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are so related to each other, they are as one. And everything God touches in his sphere is to bring about this whole idea of oneness. So today, I want to talk to you about becoming one. Becoming one. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now just stop right there for just a moment. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, when you think about kings of Israel, you think of kings like, David, and Solomon, and Asa, and Ahab, and, and others down the line. But how many of us really know who Uzziah is? But yet, Uzziah, let me tell you a little bit about him, that he reigned for 52 years. He was called 
by the Lord at age 16. Young people, remember, God can use you at an early age. The Bible says he did right in the sight of the Lord, which is a really a praise because if you read the Old Testament, not a lot of the kings did that, okay? But King Uzziah did right in the sight of the Lord. And the Bible says, as long as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. This is the king. This is part of his story. He reigned for 52 years. He did right in the sight of the Lord. And as he sought the Lord, God prospered him. Now, let's read on. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Now, let me just stop here this morning, right here. Let me just explain a few things that's going on here. King Uzziah has died. Let me just sort of give you the background of what's happening right now. King Uzziah was a great king, okay? He, he built up some incredible military. Economics was great. He did some great reforms. And, and Israel was, very, was prospering everywhere. And now King Uzziah has died. And you see, Israel had been fortified, and Israel was strong, and, and the nations around them were being defeated. He defeated the Philistines on various fronts of all kinds of places, and, and the people were really excited, and he really built up the military in a tremendous and powerful way. And now he's died, and so he, he is really, Isaiah's having a moment because what's going to happen to Israel now? Now, as you look in this text, it says here that the seraphim stood above him. Let me just explain this. This has to do, this is the angels, okay? A seraph is one angel. Seraphim is a plural of angels. And probably the ministry that's going on in heaven uh, that he's talking about here is what is announced to us in the book of Revelations. In the book of Revelations, in verse 8, it says this, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Now think about this. This is their one job. And they're to do this day and night. That's just to give you an idea that this is all they do. They don't cease doing this. And what is it that these angels are doing? They're standing above him and they're saying to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what's going on here. Say it with me, church. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. See, that's what's happening here. This is what's going on here. Isaiah has saw a vision of God. See, I'm one of these that don't believe that I can come up with a vision for this church. 
You see, God gives us a vision for the church. As we seek him, he reveals to us what he's wanting to do. I don't need to dream up things. I don't need to conjure up things. I just need to get in the presence of God, and he will help me, and he will show me, he will direct me. Now, that's what he does with all of us. It's in his presence. Now, know with me in his presence what's taking place here. He is seeing a vision of who God is in light of his circumstance that he's now facing. He is facing a circumstance by which he's thinking at this point in time, Israel, there's no telling what's going to happen now because our king that we looked to that was good for Israel, he is now gone. And now what has happened to the people of Israel? And what's happened to Isaiah? Fear has gripped his heart because he's thinking their strength lied in the king. And you know, sometimes God has to take us through things to reveal who he is so that we can move on in our lives and, and realize that he is greater than any human being possible. He is greater than any angel possible. And, and you see, he shows him a picture of himself. And he note with it, he says, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Interesting word. Again, God reveals people, himself to people in their very situation that they're facing. Remember, the word host means this. It has to do with the armies of God. He's saying, in essence, uh, Isaiah, don't forget this. I am the king. I am the commander-in-chief of the Lord's armies. You don't have to fear what comes in the future because just as I was with King Uzziah, I will be with the next king. You see, in life, it's all about having the right perspective of who God is. You see, until you understand who God is, Nothing will change in your life. The Bible tells us about God, that God is a consuming fire. Matter of fact, in, in the book of Revelations, it says that his eyes are like fire. Now watch this. That means fire. What does fire do? It penetrates. It purifies. It, it goes through, and he, listen, there is nothing that he doesn't see. There's nothing that he doesn't know. He sees everything. He knows everything. And you see, he wants you to know, you need to see this is the God that's over your life. This is the God that's in your life. This is the God that's around you. This is the God that's underneath you. This is the God that's inside you. And he wants you to know that he is a holy, holy, holy God. You see, I'm convinced the reason we don't take living the Christian life seriously enough is because we forget who God is. And so what do we do? We try anything. We try anything. And you see, can I remind you of God's holiness? At the very beginning, one sin, and Adam was put out of the garden. One sin, 
And Moses was kept out of the promised land. One sin. And Elijah's servant got leprosy. One sin. Ananias and Sapphira were killed. I tremble. As I was writing this and going through this, I was getting breathless. Because when you get a glimpse of God's holiness, something happens inside. And I'm mindful that it was one sin that King Uzziah was struck with leprosy for the rest of his life. In 2 Chronicles 26, I want you to see this. In verse 14, it says, Moreover, Uzziah prepared for all the army shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and sling stones. In Jerusalem, he made engines of war invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corners for the purpose of shooting arrows and great stones. Hence, his fame. Watch this. His fame spread afar, for he was marvelously helped. Let me ask you. When you think of the word marvel, what comes to your mind? Don't say Spider-Man in, in Captain America, okay? <laughs> marvel is all about God. You see, the Bible tells us when Jesus was doing miracles, they were marveling at his miracles. And when God and his presence come in the Holy of Holies, listen, there was marvel going on. And you see, King Uzziah, like all of God's people, was marvelously helped. Now watch this last phrase. Until he was strong. Now watch this. But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. And he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. For he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. That's a no-no. And the high priest come to him with 80 other valiant warriors, the Bible says. And says, King Uzziah, you are wrong. You are unfaithful to the Lord. You know what you're doing is wrong. This is not your service. You are not to be in here doing that. And the Bible says, watch this, he become enraged. He wanted to hurt somebody. And the Bible says when he become enraged, God struck him with leprosy on his forehead. And the priest looked and said, oh, my, we've got to get him out of here. And they got him out of there and put him in a separate house away from his family and the family of God. Hear me for the rest of his life. Proverbs says this, he whose ear listens to the life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline despises himself, but he who listens to reproof acquires understanding. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit 
before stumbling. Church, I'm as sober as I know how to be. As I tell you this this morning, you know the tragedy of many of God's children? They just like King Uzziah. They become strong. You remember the day when you were so weak. God, I'm desperate for you. I, I can't fix my life. I am ruined. I'm undone. God, I need you. And then as time has gone on, God's blessed you and prospered you. And, and little by little, you've lost who God is in relation to you. And because of that, you become strong. So I see this a lot in, in ministry. Preachers, they start out humble and, and, and they understand that it's God, it's God, it's God. But as time goes on, they begin to believe their own press clippings and they think they are something when they're really nothing but a vessel that God is using for the glory of his name. And then God takes them through a heartache and a, and a terrible time in their life. I have a dear friend that I met in, in, in recovery. I'll never forget this. He had a ministry, had thousands upon thousands of people there. And he said to me, Helen, I, I just become so proud. I become, look at me, and I'm doing so well. And, and man, look what I have built. And next thing you know, I was cut down like you've never seen. And I become, watch this, and I become an alcoholic and lost my whole ministry. And then I pointed out to him, I said, remember, it wasn't your ministry anyway. That was your problem. It's God's ministry he just entrusted you with. And he said, you know, I was so far. I was doing so well. But then I turned inward and began to believe, man, the media wanted to talk to him on TV a lot. God was just using him in wonderful ways. But his proud heart, his words, I became strong. God's sense restored him but not where he once was. And God's still using him in great ways. But God had to put a finger on him and to remind him, I am holy, and I will get all the glory. I love you, but I will not allow another to stand before me. You see, I find this in in gifts. You have a gift, a talent God's given you. You start out humbly and, and you work at it and you're good at it and, and, and God wants you to mature in that gift. He wants you to use that gift and he wants you to, to, to allow him to use it. But I'm here to tell you, you better watch out. You better watch out because I'm here to tell you, when you begin to start thinking, hey, man, God's blessed to have me on his team. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. There's a crisis. Because listen, God can raise up stones to do his work. He can. He can. 
You find God takes a man or woman and, and, and raises them up. Why? Because he wants to bless us. God wants to bless us. That's what he's doing. He wants to do. But he wants us to keep a right perspective. You've got to remember who God is. He gives you every breath that you breathe. He, he gives you your heartbeat every day. I'm mindful every day. And listen, my heart can stop today, and it'd be over on this earth, but it won't be over for eternity because I'm going to live right on. And you are as well. But God gives me the breath that I breathe and the heartbeat that I beat is all because of his grace and his mercy and his love to me. And it is for all of us. And note what happened when an Isaiah saw the Lord, watch this, high and lifted up. And in his holiness, something happened. Something happened to Isaiah. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. The word ruined means unraveled. Because why? I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He saw a glimpse of God's holiness, and he said, woe is me. In other words, cursed am I. Ruined, unraveled. I'm coming apart because God sees with his eyes of fire into my soul that nobody else can see. I can see it, and I know all about it. And he says, in light of that, I'm ruined. He is so holy, and I'm so unholy. And he acknowledged that. I'm mindful that God said in Isaiah 62, he says, for my hand made all these things, and thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But watch this. <coughs> but to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. You see, when you see God the way God really is, it should do one thing. It should humble us. It, it, it should... Oh, God. Oh, God, I, you are so holy, and I'm so unholy. Now, think about this. How in the world can a holy, pure, righteous God have anything to do with any of his children? Because, listen to me, all of us are unholy. Every one of us are unholy. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because you see, until you see a proper view of God, you will keep on doing the thing you're doing. And God is trying to stop you because if you keep doing the thing you're doing, he is going to, listen, it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy you. And God loves you too much. And so he'll allow a circumstance or a situation in your life to humble you and bring you back to his heart. And this is what God did. What's, what's this? This is a picture of what salvation is all about. The holiness of God. He is so pure. He's so righteous. He is perfect in every way. And he reveals that to us. And we, like Isaiah, say, woe is me. I ain't got a chance here. I am doomed. But watch this. Look at verse 6. I love this. 
Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. This is what I call reconciling grace. You see, you get a revelation of God, and he gives you a revelation of yourself. And then what does God do? The moment that you're willing to say, woe is me, I am ruined, I'm undone, I have sinned, and here's the reason what's going on in my life, because I am a man or a woman of unclean lips in this situation. It may be something else in your life. But once you acknowledge that and you realize his holiness, and God says, that's all I need. That's all I need. Then he goes to work, and he takes away your sin. He touches you. He touches you. This is what the Bible says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God desires to make us one with him. And know with me, it says this, that see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And watch this, your sin atoned for. Now watch this. The word atone means this. <clears throat> to be at one. Okay? Now the word atonement means to be at one with. Now note with me what God does. In Leviticus 17, it says this. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement to be at one for your souls. Isn't God good? I am so grateful that God looks at our unholiness and he says, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to touch you. I will touch you through the blood of my son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross to die for all of your unholiness, past, present, and future. And if you'll humble yourself, I will raise you up again. I will cleanse you and raise you and use you for the glory of my name. That's what he desires to do with all of us. We're all undone. We have all been undone. I remember this story of what God's trying to do in our hearts this morning is this. I first learned how to sand one time uh, since, Alice, you're learning how to weld now. You probably understand this as well. But as, as I was learning how to sand and God told me, he says, okay, he, he showed me a few things, said this is what you need to do. And, man, I zipped through there and I got through. I said, I'm finished. He said, man, that was awful quick. I don't. I need to check this because I don't think you can get done that fast. So he come over and looked at it. He says, uh, see this? I said, yeah. See this? See this? See this? See this? I said, stop, stop, stop. I, I got it. I got it. See, that, that's what we're in the business to do. I've got to make sure this is done the way I need it to be done. Or watch this. We can't work together. And all he needed, this is what his words were to me. Now that you see, now that you see what's supposed to be done, I can work with you. Because I've had a lot of people that I started with and learning how to sand. 
And this is what their attitude is. I show up and they say, I don't see it. And if you can't see it, I can't work with you. But if you see it, God says, I can work with you. Isn't it God good? He, he, he not only reveals our sin to us, but then he points a finger and says, see this? You, you see that this is wrong? And he says, yeah, I, I, I'm wrong, God. You're right. And God says, okay, I'm going to take that away. I'm going to forgive you and cleanse you, and now I'm going to use you. That's what God does. That's the gospel. That is the gospel, church. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. He has provided for all of us in our unholiness. He has provided us. It's kind of like as you take a bath. Before you, most of you probably don't take a bath. You take showers, I understand. But I'm still old school. But anyway, I'm like my grandbaby back there. Okay, we got to take a bath. Okay. It's something about when you're dirty and then you go take a bath, a shower. When you get through with that, how does it make you feel? Ah, man, glad I got that sweat and grime off of me. That's how it is when you come into the presence of God and he takes the coal of his blood and touches that area of your life that you know is not right with you and God. And you know what he does? He cleanses you. He fixes you. And then he uses you. This is what's so precious. Until you see, you can't hear. You know what's interesting in this passage? In, in verse 8, it says this. Then, after he saw, after he confessed, then I heard the voice of the Lord. Amazing. You know, some of you are saying today, I don't hear the voice of the Lord. Maybe the reason why you're not hearing is because there's something between you and God that you can't hear his voice. Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. You know what happens? Then we become ready to serve. We're ready to serve. And then he speaks to Isaiah in verse 9 and says, go and tell the people. Now we can represent him. Now we can represent him. That's what it's all about. Church, atonement, beautiful word, a simple definition to be at one with. That's why Jesus died for you, so that you could be at one with him. And watch this. When you're at one with him, you want to be at one with others. Because, listen, it, it, don't, don't be deceived here this morning. If you're not at one right here, I mean this. If you're not doing everything you are called to do to be at peace with that situation, that's what God commands us to do, okay? If you still, if you chose it not to do that, and you think that you and God are one when this is not right, we have been deceived. The enemy has duped us. God desires more than anything else for us to be one. 
everything about God from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the first institution God made, you know what he said? He said, let them come together and become what? One. Husband and wife become one. Heaven and earth become one. See, that's what God's doing. God's bringing earth in unison with heaven because in heaven, everything is perfect. Where are you today? I know this is a tough message. I understand. I, listen, I got it before you got it, okay? He, he doesn't whip the socks off of me. I can tell you that. So, you know, I understand. So I want to encourage you today. Is there something between you and God? Listen, if you could take that small, huge step today, let me tell you, you want to see supernatural power in your life? You want to see God do supernatural things in, in your life? That's going to happen. He promises that. Because why? He has a clean vessel to work through. And it's all because of the gracious, merciful act of Jesus Christ. Do you know him today? My prayer is that if you don't know him today, today is a day of salvation. And God has called you to him. But realize this. Most of us in here probably know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And this message is for us. Isaiah was a man of God. God was calling him into a new ministry. You can come, Kevin. And, and, and listen, he's calling us to possibly a new ministry. Hey, a ministry that gets out of ourselves and serves others. They can't happen. As this goes, so goes this. The cross has always been and always will be about two relationships. My relationship with God, my relationship with people. Church, hear the grace of God today. You need to be stirred. I know all of us ought to have the fear of the Lord in our heart today because of just some things I've just read. Do you know the fear of the Lord is clean? And you know you can never become a wise person if you don't have the fear of the Lord? He says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. So be wise today, I pray. You know your heart. You know what you've been doing. You know the finger that God's pointing to right now. It, it may be that pornography you're looking at. It, it may be that lie that you're carrying around. It may be that adultery that you're doing. It, it may be that alcohol. It may be that drug. It, it may be just that bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. I don't know what it is, but I'm here to tell you, God is calling you to the altar of his grace today. God is calling you. Don't leave here without the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. He loves you too much. He wants to use you too much, but he can't use you if you're not going to be available and you're not going to be a clean vessel. He comes to clean every one of us today. This pastor, his need of God's cleansing, probably far greater than any of you. And we spent two hours yesterday crying out to God on behalf of what God wanted to do in my life and your life and all those lives that God's going to bring here today. So you come today and let God do his work.
work today. He is calling you today. Come, let's all stand. Father, in Jesus' precious name, stir our hearts afresh, God. Don't let us leave here, God, in bondage. Don't let us leave here in fear, God. Don't let us leave here in unbelief, God. Don't let us leave in doubt, God. Let us leave this place with joy, knowing that we have been helped by the Lord. We are in his presence, and he's come to give us times of refreshing today. So, oh, Holy Spirit, do a mighty work now. May this altar be filled, Lord, because of men and women recognizing your holiness and their unholiness. Oh, God, cause families to be reconciled. Cause friendships to be restored. Cause family members, Lord, to forgive, God. Oh, God, come. Meet with us today, God. We need you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You come, church.